Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast is brought to you by Goliath Technologies. If you work in healthcare like I do, you'll want to check out Goliath's Cerner and Epic integrations, which make them the perfect choice for your healthcare virtual environment monitoring and analytic needs. And also by Liquidware, whose Profile Unity and Flex app products can be just the ticket you need for dealing with Office 365 in a non-persistent environment. I apologize if my voice is a little off this week. I'm a little under the weather, but I'm going to just roll with the punches and keep going. And now for some news. This Friday, February 1st, 2019, is DNS Flag Day, which is seeing quite a bit of reactive changes around the tech world. The goal of DNS Flag Day is to start to properly enforce DNS standards that were established two decades ago. Sites hosted on authoritative servers that are unpatched to treat the extension mechanisms for DNS protocol as optional may become unreachable through update resolvers. The end result for those not in compliance with standards could mean sites not resolving at all are slowing down considerably. In the long term, once all are compliant, DNS resolution should actually have a slight performance increase and will allow for new mechanisms to help protect against denial of service attacks. For the majority, this will be a non-issue. If you have external facing sites in your organization, you'll want to go to dnsflagday.net and put in at least the main zone for your organization. If it comes back green, and all okay, you're good. If it does not, you'll want to remediate accordingly and there's a useful report that's generated to show you exactly what's wrong and how you can remediate. Vendors such as Cisco, Google, Infoblox, and Citrix have issued statements on DNS Flag Day and what it means for their customers potentially. Check out the support articles for any vendors you use for network components. It was another rough week for Microsoft services with users from all over the world reporting disruptions with Office 365, Dynamics 365, and some other Azure services. Some people even reported issues with LinkedIn, Xbox Live, and Skype. According to ZDNet, based on the currently disclosed information, it appears that an issue with a level 3 supplied managed DNS service for the Azure systems had impacted Microsoft's cloud-based authentication solution, spreading to all the other services that relied on it. Seems quite coincidental that there was DNS issues this week. You may have noticed it was time for another Java update this week. Well, this is the last version of Java that will be available for Enterprise, unless you purchase a subscription from Oracle. As Jacob Thornberry pointed out on Twitter, You should reach out to your vendors to see if they cover the cost of subscription. You may discover they do not. A lot of applications still in the enterprise are dependent on Java. So if it hasn't been a concern to you yet, you should probably make it a concern now. Just make sure that you're going to be safe going forward. Personally, if this leads to the end of Java, I won't be all that sad. It has been the gateway to a lot of zero days and security headaches in the past. Scott Manchester, the Microsoft RDS Group Manager, announced this week that the Windows 10 multi-user image, which was previously available in Azure, but was then removed, is now available again across all Azure data centers. 
It has been reported that Intel have bid about $5.6 billion to acquire Mellanox Technologies, an Israeli big data connectivity company, according to globes.co.il. Melonix make chips that allow swifter transmission of big data and have customers who include Dell and HPE. Their chips are used for mega or supercomputer farms, used in universities and by organizations like NASA, Facebook, Google and Amazon. Seems like a logical acquisition to me. This week there were a couple of announcements from Citrix. Citrix first announced Cisco Hyperflex. Cisco's hyperconverged infrastructure product is now Citrix Ready, pitching that it gives the ability to create a true hybrid cloud solution for Citrix workspace. Citrix also announced that Microsoft has joined the Citrix Ready workspace security program with Citrix providing significant security enhancements for Office 365. Some of these enhancements include single sign-on to the workspace with the ability to then launch the Office 365 web-based SaaS apps published through the portal, multi-factor authentication supporting multiple different MFA products, URL blacklisting and web filtering, including the ability to redirect sessions into a secure lockdown browser session, as well as advanced analytics of usage, malicious user behavior, anomalies, and more, all presented through Citrix Analytics. This week we saw an updated version of the MSIX packaging tool released on the store, which is a good excuse for me to bring up a couple of great MSIX related articles I read this week. The great Paul Wynn Stanley posted an article going through MSIX from an SCCM deployment perspective and covered the great MSIX convert option that I mentioned on a previous episode of the podcast. Paul not only goes through what's promising about MSIX and the how-to, but also some of the current limitations when deploying MSIX through SCCM, namely the lack of built-in code signing certificates in the console, which I also brought up on Twitter in the past. And speaking of current MSIX limitations, remember I talked about Tim Mangan's MSIX report card last week? Well, Tim has posted an article this week in which he states that until MSIX is ready, which will be when the team has addressed some of those current limitations, AppV is still the best way to deploy your Win32 and .NET applications using isolation technologies. In his article, Tim goes through using some of his free AppV tools to detect potential end-user issues with your applications when delivered with AppV, but also when delivered with MSIX. He even gives some examples within the article itself. If you're still testing out MSIX periodically like I am, this is a well worth a read. The results of the end user computing performance survey have been revealed. It's interesting to see how those in the community approach image optimization, user workspace management, which I believe they called user environment management. People have different terms for it now. What solutions like DAS are being used out in the wild and more. I don't want to give away the results since this is a community-led project. I prefer you to go out there and give them a click and give them a view. So you can do that and I will provide a link with this episode, which is episode 57, on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. Or you can find it in the YouTube description with this episode. Now for just a few different short stories or headlines from the week. Ansible Solution is now available in the Azure Marketplace. 
MDT build 6456 was released this week, which supports server 2019 and brings the ability to nest task sequences, which has been available in SCCM, but not in the standalone MDT. Control Up 7.3 launched, which brings many new features. Some of the highlights include VMware vSAN monitoring capabilities, Linux integration, which I covered on last week's episode, and agent backward compatibility, which I actually noticed myself in my lab environment earlier this week, so nice touch on that. Avanti User Workspace Manager 2018.3 Service Pack 1 is now generally available. It includes roaming of search indexes for Outlook for your Office 365 in non-persistent desktop use cases or even non-persistent RDSH. This is a pretty big feature as it lines up the Avanti User Workspace Manager with some competing products in that Office 365 roaming and persisting in a non-persistent environment use case. Bass Van Cam and Christian Brinkhoff this week launched the Bite Size Cloud Design Book Project. It's a pretty clever idea that allows any and everyone in the community to suggest tips 250 words or less around cloud design principles, best or common practices, funny quotes, tips and tricks, and architectural recommendations that they feel is worth sharing. Even if you'd like to have your little tidbits of information appear in the book with your name listed, check out the link that I provide with this episode, which again is episode 57 on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. And now for the first time in a long time, I'm going to dip into the mailbag. Got mail. I was contacted this week with a question about an old crap location that crashes but doesn't write any logs and doesn't journal to the event logs. There is a dialog box that appears, but it doesn't sound like it's too useful in and of itself. So what should this person do? Well, my recommendations was that there are a few go-to tools like Procmon, Process Explorer, and Debug View that most people know of. But what I recommended specifically is trying out a tool called the Strings tool, which can be used to intercept or search based off of the contents of a dialog box. I sent over a link to a great little demo from Steve Thomas of Microsoft showing how to use strings and some of the other sysinternals tools for troubleshooting those tricky application issues. It's well worth a view if you've never seen it before. And now for this episode's weekly webinar. Tricerat and Citrix will be getting together to host a webinar on best practices for your healthcare Citrix environment. Learning from the webinar includes how Citrix helps unify cloud-based app, data, network, and identity services in a secure digital workspace, best practices in healthcare IT management, improving admin efficiencies and harnessing new technologies in healthcare, how to increase productivity and reduce challenges in your IT environment, streamlining management of diverging platforms, maintaining and improving the experience of your staff, and more. This webinar will take place on Tuesday, February 5th, 2019 from 9 a.m. Pacific to 10 a.m. Pacific. You can sign up with the link that I share with this episode, episode 57, on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links and in the YouTube description. Now for this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. The awesome James Kinden this week shared a blog post on modern start menu management and the use of Windows toolbars. 
In the blog post, he covers some of the pain points and learning curves for users on Windows 10 and goes through a how-to for creating custom toolbars to improve navigation for end users. He details how you can deploy these too. The tool used in the example for deploying is Citrix WEM, but you could use a similar product for the same result. Believe me, you'll want to check out this article if you're migrating to Windows 10 this year. The start menu has changed quite significantly. The directory structure is a little confusing and James spells it all out beautifully for you in this article and he's already done a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So check that out. That's it for another week. As always, thank you guys so much for listening.